my friends, I think it's always helpful to set the scene of each gospel, understand where exactly we are in the life of Christ. Reminder that we are at the beginning of our Lord's public ministry. He was uh, just recently baptized. Of course, we celebrated this epiphanization of the Lord and revealing uh, in large part who he is. And he was led, he was literally driven into the desert where he was tempted and overcame these temptations of the devil. Then, of course, he called his first disciples. We've been preaching and meditating on this. He preached the fulfillment of the kingdom and for all of us to repent and believe in the gospel. And then today, in today's gospel, he enters into a synagogue and he preaches with authority. His words astonish because they are filled with so much grace and, of course, much power. Many can teach us, my friends, how to live, but Christ's teaching literally gives us the power to live well. There is important to note also where Jesus began his public ministry. He began it in a particular place. He went back to that first place where the Assyrian army had separated uh, the Jewish nation, taking some of the tribes away and separating the United, otherwise united uh, Israel. And he also began his public ministry in a particular way. He began with an exorcism. An exorcism, sin and death, began with the temptation of Satan in the Garden of Eden. Now Jesus would begin to conquer sin and death by driving out one of Satan's minions, this unclean spirit. We hear in today's gospel, in their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And we hear that Jesus rebuked him and said, quiet, come out of him. In my prayer throughout this whole week, one question kept resonating with me over and over and over again. Why did Jesus quiet this unclean spirit? He was, after all, he was revealing the truth. Let him speak, Lord. He is exactly saying exactly what you came to do. You did come to destroy him. You did come to uh, do all these things to give us peace. Well, I meditated on this throughout the week and came up with five, perhaps, uh, thoughts here, anyhow. First, because we should give the devil no room in our lives. No room. You know, even they used to have a commercial about these potato chips. You can't eat just one, right? And so when we see that in our lives, we come right up to the edge. We'll just have one. And then it's two, and then before you know it, you finish the bag of chips. We can't control ourselves sometimes. Let's get, I'm not calling potato chips the devil. But sometimes we can make all kinds of analogies, can we not? Let's give the devil no room. But also because the devil came uh, from a place of fear. He did recognize that the Lord was going to destroy him. He didn't come out of a willingness to tenderly embrace the truth of the Lord's love. He didn't desire friendship. So many of my friends, you know, I preach about this often these days. So many do live in fear. Scrupulosity is so rampant amongst us. 
We're not living in love when we're scrupulous. We're living in fear. Good, faithful people paralyzed by this fear. Thirdly, uh, it's important to know the words that the Lord used. He told the unclean spirit to be quiet. Perhaps he was also speaking to everyone present there, but also all of us to learn to be quiet. The Lord is calling us to enter into silence, to seek the silence. You know, so many are frustrated by distractions, so many distractions in our prayer. Perhaps we are distracted because we spend the rest of our days literally seeking out distractions. We do this, of course, with social media in large part, but also when was the last time you got into your car and drove somewhere without putting on the radio? Someone made that recommendation to me one day and literally changed the trajectory of my life. Seek the silence. Sometimes we have to find it in little ways like our little commutes, but seek the silence. We literally crave the silence. But sometimes, like this unclean spirit, we are afraid to enter into it. And fourthly, because he wasn't yet ready, the Lord wasn't yet let, ready to reveal himself. He had to show the extent of his love by first enduring his passion and ultimately his death on the cross. Jesus did not come to be a kumbaya sort of Jesus to take away our pain. Jesus didn't come just to relieve our pain. He came to enter into it, to show us how to literally thrive despite our pain. So many people are afraid to die. So many are afraid to die that they have forgotten how to live. So many are afraid to suffer. They are missing an opportunity to allow the Lord to uh, to grow them throughout this suffering. Of course, we don't seek out suffering, but is this pandemic not an opportunity to grow in so many virtues, so many areas? The Lord does desire, as I say all the time, to place his sacred heart in the middle of our misery. That, of course, is mercy. Well, finally, because Jesus wants us to reveal him. He didn't want this unclean spirit revealing him to others. He wanted us to have his fame spread because we have told another of our love of the Lord. And this ought to be done out of love, not out of fear. I do believe we do this so well here at St. Veronica's in large part because of our incredibly generous pastor. We have a good and holy priest here in Father Kleinman, uh, one of the hardest working people I know, and a kind soul. We all know this, but we also have a very hard working staff. Early this morning, shoveling the sidewalks, spreading the salt, but on and on in so many hidden ways, uh, really exercising uh, all these beautiful virtues in them for love of God and love of you. But this, of course, is also Catholic Schools Week, and we have a very dedicated staff here in our wonderful, wonderful school, beginning, of course, with our principal, uh, Mr. Boozy Cruz. Mike is such a good and holy man himself, but we have such a wonderful staff and a hardworking teacher uh, crew. The kids are in school. 
this is rare these days, right? But they're doing it and doing it so well uh, with much sacrifice. Of course, the parents too sacrifice, not just financially, but in so many ways so their kids can be grounded in the faith. Our diocese, too, is uh, helping us and doing uh, this well. And, uh, you know, I have to mention the BLA, but it's such an important way for us to serve. You know, I was talking to Father Eisenberg the other day, reminding me that we are blessed with so many seminarians in seminary these days, almost 50. You know, $2 million a year just for their tuition. And it's because of your generosity that we are going to have these future priests serving in our diocese. My homeless buddy I speak of often, Russell, I was speaking to him yesterday. Uh, he was so blessed to be able to live in Christ's house for so many months where they helped him in so many ways because of your generosity. We have adoption services. Many I know in our parish have taken advantage of that. We have crisis pregnancies to help these uh, women uh, that are going through these difficult times, these single mothers oftentimes, and we have post-abortive counseling and uh, so many services for women who have been harmed by this abortion. We have food insecurity uh, throughout, and it's only getting worse, my friends, and you are always so generous with the St. Lucy Pro Project. We uh, have prison ministry, but it comes at a cost, and it's your generosity that allows these men and women in prison to be served and to be, uh, well, transformed by your generosity. We have immigration and refugee services, and on and on. Do we not do it well here in the Catholic Church? reaching out to the disenfranchised, but it is because of your sacrifices and your generosity. This is who we are. This is who you are, and this is what we do. Especially when we are living in the spirit, living in what we call, or St. Paul says, is the spirit mindset and not in the flesh, not in the flesh mindset. Paul also says in today's second reading, I should like you to be free of anxieties. And then so interestingly, at least as I was praying with this, and then he goes and says, well, if you're a single man, uh, you're anxious. If you're a married man, you're anxious. If you're a single woman, you're anxious. If you're a married woman, you're anxious. I guess that means only kids are not anxious. You know, even that is not true. We are all anxious in certain ways, my friends. I, I suppose it's kind of even natural to be anxious. And that's why we have to seek out the supernatural grace that helps us to not be anxious, to live in true and everlasting peace. You know, yesterday's gospel, yesterday morning's gospel, uh, was so beautiful where Jesus tells us to let us cross to the other side. These gospel writers use that expression, our Lord uses that expression to remind us that what we do here is supernatural. We are going to the other side. We're going to the other side, to the invisible reality of the working of grace. And even though in yesterday morning's gospel we had this violent storm that came up, and even though Jesus was sleeping in the stern of the boat, the stern, that's where the captain sits, he was in charge. My friends, he is in charge. And so there's nothing that we should be anxious about. The Lord, are we, we went and asked him, do you not care that we are perishing? And once again, the Lord, quiet, be still. You know, we always assume he's speaking to the storm, 
Perhaps he's also speaking to us to be quiet, to be still, and may God be praised. Amen.